Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. We are into December. Ah, it's been so nice. The weather is perfect. I love it. I even had some shorts on. The top of the car was down. I mean, it just feels good. It's very unusual for this time of year. It looks like a storm is coming where it'll actually turn more normal for the high elevations. The mountains of Arizona, I would have sworn we were down in the higher elevations of Tucson or or the the higher elevations of of the deserts. It felt that nice, actually. Uh, But you know what? I'm ready for some weather. Your plants are ready for some weather. In fact, what you'll find is there's some moisture, very possible, in the next few days. Let's hope so. The landscapes could really use it. Uh, The leaves finally dropped off of the maples. They're all done. The the, uh, only tree really left right now, I guess there's a couple, although this storm will probably, there's only one person standing when it's all done. That'll be the ornamental pears or the flowering pears. They've been in red all around town at all elevations. It's kind of the last tree to turn red in the fall of the year. And so there's one other tree that had some leaves on them. I predict they'll be all gone within the next few days. The willow trees have had a few remaining gold leaves left. Of course, the wind has been whipping those off, and so they'll just be bare. One thing that I've noticed, at least in my own yards, take a close look. It's kind of inspiring. The trees, the tree buds are ginormous on the fruit trees. They're huge on the maples. They're huge on the lilac. So you're actually seeing little nodules or leaf buds or flower buds on the bare branches, when they finally lose their leaves, they've taken all that sugar in out of that leaf and they're actually hibernating. They're bringing the carbohydrates within the structure of the plant and they're going to use that to form next spring's leaf and flower buds. Uh, the the uh, apricots, nectarines, cherries, peaches, the buds are huge. Of course, these are one of the first trees to bloom in the spring of the year. So by March, you're going to see, that's just three months away, three, four months away. Spring is here. It's just like that. So we're about to hit winter and that season's over. Boom. It just, just kind of, just kind of happens. And so you'll notice that many of the buds on your trees are looking really healthy. This moisture will really up the game. Now, if you fertilized a month ago, like I was recommending in October sometime, first of November, that plant has been absorbing that moisture, been absorbing the foods, have been been using that to store it up in the roots and the the structure of the plant. You're seeing that play out in the, in the buds on the on your trees. If you haven't done that yet, you've got an opportunity while it's still warm and this moisture is coming through. This is an ideal time to apply some fertilizer, and I would I would say not just any fertilizer. Most of the fertilizers you have in the garage are more warm season fertilizers. The The ground needs to be above 55 degrees to really activate for the plant to be able to absorb and use the plant. Otherwise, 
it liquefies, rains melt it off, and it just flows to the soil. None of it is picked up by the plant. This is where if you're going to use chemicals, if you're going to go you know, oil-based products, use urea. That's the main ingredient you want to see active in that, in that fertilizer. Most of your winterizer chemical fertilizers, that's the main ingredient, urea. So the plant can absorb that particular chemical while it's cold. I would hope that if you've tuned in any length of time, you know my stance on this, we need to up our game and stop using so many chemicals. We need to use more organic fertilizers, especially since most of us, actually all of us in the mountains are drinking well water. Yes, it might come from your city, but they're pumping it from the Big Chino or from the Williams Aquifer or from wherever you happen, wherever you are, they stick a straw on the ground They suck it out, put it into big tanks, and pump it to your house. If we're all drinking well water, the last thing I want are all of my customers, at least here in Prescott, Arizona, to to be using more and more chemicals so that more of it's lifted by by the water, by the rains, washed downstream, and finally makes its way into the aquifer. I just think we have a responsibility, at least I do as a radio host, larger garden center supplier, we're, we're selling thousands of pounds of fertilizer every year. If you can use organics, they're less, they break down slower. They aren't chemicals. They're organic plant-based products, cottonseed meals and guanos, uh, some minerals like sulfur and iron. But those, those products break down slowly. So now the plant over the entire winter can pick up little bits of fertilizer over the entire winter season. So you get a much longer of feed, much longer dining area span for your plants. Whereas a chemical, typically two to three weeks, they're done. If you get a slow release fertilizer, maybe six to eight weeks. Whereas an organic will be there for 12 more weeks. And so the plant can absorb more of it. And if it does get picked up by the water stream, it gets back into the aquifer, it's, it's natural. So the plant, there's more of the plants can pick it up. Okay, enough of my soapbox. It's the point being, going back to where I started, if you haven't fertilized, you don't see bud growth on your plants. You didn't have good fall color. Fertilize. Take advantage of this storm that's coming through. The moisture is going to put it, get it through all that rock, through your, through your uh, weed cloth, down into the root zone where the plant can absorb that through the winter season. I would say it's also a good time to, to put down Grub killers, if you've seen javelina doing wreaking havoc, tearing up your yard, lifting the soil, turning it over like a rototiller, that means you've got worm and grub issues. Now's a time with the system to put down a grub killer to get rid of those. The, you put it on the rock, the plant, the water will just take it through the soil, through the rock, through the, and just get it, kill off those bugs. Use nature to help you so that gardening is easier. I would say weeds, you'll find that dandelions, there's a real pesky dandelion. It's got a smaller leaf, kind of yellow flower, that uh, same uh, velvety kind of kind of seed head that opens up and floats away. It's been a real problem in my yard. Well, I am actually going to put down more in my own yard right before this storm. I'm going to put down some more weed preventer. There's actually some seed killers 
that you put down over the rock, over the garden areas where I've got my raised beds, I've got some issues, where I see these weeds popping up, I'm going to put more weed and grass preventer down just and take advantage of the rain so that as winter progresses, these winter weeds get worse. There's more, more winter weeds. They like the cold. They germinate when the snows come. Well, if, if that's the issue, take advantage of this storm. My main nemesis right now are grubs. Doggone it. They've been out in the, in the nursery landscape. I found some in my containers. Got some really big pots. And so I had planted some pansies in there and some of them faded. Dug down in there and there's grubs eating my brand new pansies. That's not right. If you're going to eat my plants, I'm coming after you. And so I'm go- I just put some grub killer through there and it's watered it in and they're gone. And so now I can replant some beefier, healthier pansies and they'll bloom again. So I want some color through winter and I don't want to provide grub bait food for my bugs. I want them gone. And so I baited them, got the, the poison in there, watered it in and they're just gone. So take advantage. That's the main point. Use this. So many times we try to work against nature and gardening becomes difficult. If you simply time it when storms are naturally coming through, it's so much better. And depending on how much moisture we have, if we get at least an inch of rain, you can cut out one of our one of the recommended twice a month watering. So I recommend watering two times a month. And if we get a major storm, snow or, or rain event, you can cut one of those out. So you need to water at least once a month in the mountains of Arizona. But this might be enough to prevent one of those. We'll be right back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. We've got a lot in store for you. Don't change that dial. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. The holidays are here in Arizona's Christmas City, bringing family closer and those chilly winter winds. While you're decorating the outside, don't forget to brighten up the inside with exotic Christmas plants from Waters. Beautiful Christmas cactus and poinsettia are coming to town. Grown exclusively by waters in colors you won't find anywhere else. Unique, vibrant, and guaranteed to warm even the dreariest winter day. Check your list twice for exotic Christmas plants at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Prescott Alberta Spruce. This perfectly shaped tree displays dense green needles which are as soft as a teddy bear. The perfect front yard Christmas tree for holiday lighting and oh, so beautiful when matched in pairs at the front door. Hand-grown, these are perfectly shaped and sized for home accents and just $69. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love twinkly little Christmas trees, they love to shop. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. All right, so we are back with Ken and Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden question. Just what are people talking about in your neighborhood? And then we just share that together. So welcome to the studio, Lisa. Thank you. First week in December. There's only like, what is that? <laughs> Two, three weeks le- until, uh, three weeks until Christmas? Three. Isn't that Short exciting? Yeah. yeah. No, actually yeah. there's one other day because retailers are really excited because there's 
one more day between like uh, fri the Friday after Thanksgiving and Christmas. So wow. they're thinking Blockbuster Have for you uh, shopping. Did you go Black Friday shopping? I did online. Did you do Cyber Monday? <laughs> no, I didn't. At some point, you kind of go, yeah, whatever. I don't want. I don't care did about you, saving five bucks. Did you bucks. do Giving Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Isn't it nuts? It's just it keeps going on and on. What I'm trying to do is delete all the text messages and emails and alerts saying you should be shopping with them going don't bother me if i'm interested i'll come find you don't try to find me so i didn't ask to sign up if i ask that's fine there's some that i really go after oh, that sure. i really follow and some i yeah. i don't care anyway yeah i've got you all you're all wrapped up all the stockings are all Is that a done pun? i'm all wrapped up you are <laughs> mm -hmm. wait till you see it wait till you see yours you will be happy oh will i be giddy or probably. just happy. Really? Yeah, be giddy. I've got a new Ford Bronco no. coming in the driveway <laughs> Christmas Day. <laughs> no, you won't be that giddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm looking forward to the holidays. So yeah. Christmas gifts are going up. We went over to uh, Granite Gates. Mm -hmm. Got your parents, their tree, their wreath. Their, they were just excited to have oh, yeah. Christmas in their, in their like, Rooms, in their new place. Yeah. yeah. So we got it all decorated, got the Christmas stuff up there. And we did ours here. Yep. For the most part. Outside's not so quite gonna, done. I got to. Not quite uh, done. We'll get there. Can't. <laughs> hardly started. I watered the plants. That's all I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You didn't do much. So uh, anyway, garden questions. Okay. What do we got with the question things? I am. Sure. Yeah. So Jack. Jack is at Chino. He bought an Austrian pine. He's getting ready to plant it. Yeah. Uh, his question is: He pulled the bucket off, and he realized it's wrapped in burlap. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So, how do you plant differently when you're planting a tree that is ball and burlap, which is what that is? Yep. How is that different from when you, because you're not going to be scoring the root ball like you right. do with other trees? So, what yeah. do you do? So, uh, ball and burlap is is field grown. So we plant it at a farm hundreds of acres, we just line them up. And then we fill them out. We trim them for several years in the ground. And then we'll go through and wrap, dig those up many times by hand or by machine, wrap it in burlap. And that's what's confusing for folks. Mm -hmm. They just don't know what to do with the burlap. Don't do anything. Right. Just pull it out as gently as you can. Put it in your, you plant it exactly the same, same depth, three times the width, add some mulch, backfill around that root ball with that uh, but, but the ball and burlap is you're just gently setting it in the ground. The burlap is there simply to hold that dirt around the roots. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so the roots will grow right through that burlap like it was nothing. The secret is when you're all done, untie or clip. So we'll take jute netting, typically jute uh, uh, tie mm -hmm. or twine at the top where the trunk is. We'll wrap that around a couple of times. Generally, that's going to rot and the roots, as, as the trunk grows, it'll push that apart. But just in case, clip that off and then lay the burlap back and just and then water it in really well and stake it to make sure the snow doesn't make it flop over. And, and that's all you do. Water the same amount twice a month. You do everything the same. And so usually your bigger trees, big spruce, big ostrich pines, big deodorant, Deodors, not necessarily deodors. Many times deodors, spruce, pine, fir, they're all field grown. So they're ball and burlapped. The other smaller trees are container grown. So they're actually planted in as seedlings in the bucket they're going to deliver to the nursery with. They might be there for four or five years, but they're in that bucket the whole four or five years. And then they're, when they're finally ready, they're, they're just taken off the drip, brought in, 
and then we sell them right here. But they're smaller. You don't want to keep a a tree in a bucket for you know ten years to get a seven six seven eight foot spruce. Mm -hmm. It's better to go in the ground. They get fuller and thicker that way. So that's that's why it's it's a how do you get a better quality plant in the ground or in the bucket? And we're choosing that method uh, to to display them. So anyway, that's the difference. Come in and see us. We'll give you a hand. We'll walk you through and show you what that's all about, Jack. Although he's already got an Austrian Chino Valley. Just plant it, Jack. Just plant <laughs> it. You're good to go. Well, it is a little confusing. You yeah. see that burlap sack yeah. there. What do you do right. with it? All right. Next question is from Grant. He's out in Prescott Valley. He's planning ahead. Yeah, right gardeners. on Grant. They're always planning ahead. That's a gardener for you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, new property next spring wants to put in fruit trees. So yeah, the nice. question is, in this area, what are the most reliable fruit trees for giving you fruit? Right. So so it can be tricky. Mm -hmm. and, and you get all this garden content from all over the place. And none of it's right when you're doing a you know search. Uh, that's why you got, that's why you tuned into the mountain gardeners right here. Your friends, Ken and Lisa Lane, your backyard neighbors. We're just, here's what we've done. It'll work for you too. Uh, the question is going to be, is Prescott Valley different than Prescott, different than Chino, different than Paulden, different than Sedona, different than, you know, Hillside, Skull Valley. We're all the same. You just don't want those desert varieties. There's certain varieties that need a lot of chill hours. They need a lot of cold before they start to erupt into bloom. Those are going to be your apples and pears are the most reliable because they take the most chill hours mm -hmm. before they start to bloom. So they're the last ones to bloom and start, start to fruit in spring. So you're out of that risk of frost. The ones that are most likely, the first ones to start to bloom are apricots and nectarines. A few plums, but basically those varieties. Um, they'll be about a month ahead of apples and pears. So you want the latest possible blooming of all the apricots. So that's Tilton's, Chinese apricots, Mormon apricots. Those are the better ones, frost and nectarines. Go with those It's because they're more likely to fruit. You want to stay away from your desert varieties. If it's, it's Some of your desert varieties need 200 chilling hours, yeah. and then they bloom. Well, that's great for the desert up here. 200 chilling hours, it's starting to bloom in January. You've got three months of frost. Guaranteed it's not going to, it won't damage the tree. It'll take the fruit. So we'll start shipping our fruit trees. You know, it's end of January, February, we'll start shipping. As soon as we can get into those fields, the, the rains start to affect when we can go into the fields and, and harvest plants. And so we'll, as soon as those tractors and the equipment can get in there without destroying the fields, we'll start. And that's usually January, definitely by Valentine's. We're starting to go full on, full court press, fill the garden center up. It's a great time to choose fruit trees. You want to get them in as soon as you can before they wake up for spring. So if you can, that's plant them January, February, March, April, right before May. If you can, we're so mild, but if you can get them before they wake up, there's less transplant shock. That's that's so. I guess going back to his Grant's question, apples and pears most reliable. Then peaches and cherries. Then it would be plums. Then it would be apricots and nectarines. There you go. There's the list. <laughs> the varieties. There's too many to choose from. That was a, a long. Answer. Sorry. <laughs> And we don't even have very many fruit trees. And not even good. Another month and a half. We'll have tons, hundreds we of fruit trees. But that's, that's awesome. I love that's gardeners. They're always do. optimistic. That's right. I'm trying to see if we have enough time. I can't. Got a minute. Go for it. One <laughs> more right. question. 
All right. This is from Linda. She says, my pines seem to be full of aphids. Yeah. Everything is, there is clear sticky stuff everywhere. Basically question is, do I need to spray? Just wait for cold. And then what should I spray with? If I spray. Yeah. That's from Linda. Is that who that was? Linda. Linda. Hey, Linda. Um, So, um, Yes, you need to spray. You've got bugs eating the life out of your plants. Of course, don't wait. They'll they'll suck the life. They'll cause tip damage. They'll, they'll affect your new growth for the buds. They'll affect next spring's growth. Pray for like, like 14 degree weather. That will obliterate them. But until then, spray them with Sayonara, triple action. There's all kinds of stuff that soapy water. Don't just spray water. No. If you're going to take the time to spray, Add something to that. I would actually use cyanara. The, the aphids are so bad on Deodor cedars. All the pine trees, they're even getting on spruce, which is unheard of. Put some cyanara, cyanara which is a clear spray, mm-hmm. but it has a repelling. It kills the aphids, plus has a repelling action. So come see us and we'll get you honed in. But yes, don't let, if you got sticky, gooey, glossy needles and rocks, come see us. We can help you with that. This is serious. Don't let it go. Kennelly Selane, the Mountain Gardeners, be right back right after this. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Hi, Ken here with the Plants of the Week and our Blue Diamond Spruce. The rock star of the evergreen world, it glows silver blue as it reaches 15 feet tall in the perfect evergreen shape. These trees are big, bold, and beautiful, ideal for highlighting garden beds, or used as privacy screens, all for just $179. The start of the rainy season is an ideal planting season. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love perfect blue evergreens, they love to shop. Look, if your wife, mom, or dad wants a sweater for Christmas, get them a sweater, not some piece of plastic. But if someone you truly care about loves their garden, a gift card to Waters makes perfect sense. Next spring, she could pick out exactly what they were hoping for. We all know it's not the same thing as a huge hanging basket or a fragrant rose, but hey, it's winter. Gardeners understand. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott and watersgardencenter.com. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. If you are new to the area, you're just not familiar with high altitude landscapes, four season climates, with the sequence working with the environment instead of against it. If you just don't know that sequence, you can do a whole lot of homework. You can spend days on the internet searching what to do right, and it'll be con- contradictory. You'll get the craziest stuff. Uh, there's all, Everyone's got an opinion about how to garden. If you talk to 10 gardeners, you get at least 12 answers to any given garden question. What we try to do is make gardening easier at this altitude. And you'll hear that through the show. I mean, it's just, my name's Ken. You just had my wife, Lisa, on. We were just leaning over the fence talking about neighbors in the backyard. To, here's what's going on in my yard. And here's what, what makes it easier. And that's what we try to share. We try to simplify it. I don't try to get creative. You know, all the products we mentioned, they're things you can get anywhere over the shelf. 
any plants mentioned. You can find them at any garden center, at least independent garden centers. I do get into some new, fun, different uh, uh, plants that you only find at major, I mean, bigger garden centers. Your big boxes won't have them. And that's by design because I get bored with the top 10 plants the boxes are going to have. Yeah, that's okay. But if you're tuned into a garden show, I presume that you've got you've more interest than just the top 10. So I try to mention some of those newer plants. Also, I write a weekly garden column. And so this is published in newspapers, magazines. You'll, you'll find my, my garden content. It's rather desirable. Some people pay me for it. Sometimes they do it for free if I like you. But I'm trying to get more garden content out. This week, uh, Prescott E-News picked up the uh, uh, December garden to-do list. There's some things that as we cool down that you should look at. One of the tips I gave was take the hose off your hose bib. Even though you've got a frost-free hose bib, it goes back into your house anywhere from a foot, eight inches to a foot and a half back. It's insulated. The water can't freeze because it's not towards the outer edge of your house, but I've seen it happen. So if you get really cold and the bib's on the edge of your, edge of your house where it's got exposure on two sides, I've, seen, I've had it happen myself. And so take the hose off the bib and it allows the water to drain out of that frost-free bib. What I do is I've got each of my hoses, I've got one in the front, one in the back, and I've got a frost-free bib, a frost-free connection. It allows me to get my hose on and off that bib very quickly with one hand without screwing it on there, just a flip of a switch and it's on and off. Makes it so easy. I found that brass works much better than plastic. With our sun in this cold climate, it, it the plastic breaks. It's just too cheap. Yeah, you can get one for seven, eight bucks, but gah, they just don't last. And so I said, here's what I use. I've got them at the garden center, or I embedded a, an Amazon link so you can go buy it directly. I just want you to have easier easier access. It was an, it was an Amazon Prime uh, frost-free uh, quick connect made of brass. It's what I use myself. And I embedded that directly into this week's garden column. So I'm there to help you help it make it easier. They were under 20, about 15. I forget how much they were. They're not very much for a pair. Uh, and they're just easy access or come visit. I've got them here. They're made to make your life a gardener's life easy because you will water through the winter here. You need to, especially things that were planted late in, in summer or through the fall, autumn seasons. You need to water those things. The roots have not gone out very far into the surrounding soil. And so they don't have as much root structure out there. And so you need to hydrate those more often because they're more dependent on you. They were just planted a little later or all of your plants, unless you're going hardcore natives, even those will benefit because we can get some very long dry spells through the winter season here in the mountains of Arizona. So it's been at least, what, two months since the last moisture, I don't even know when we had our last moisture. It's been a while. So plants were, they need that sporadic. Just pick a nice bright day, even in the middle of January, and water by hand if you need to. Or turn your system on manually. And then just deep soak your plants. But especially focus on those things that were planted in summer and, and autumn. If you're going to do living Christmas trees, I would say it's fine to plant a living tree. Decorate it put it in the house, have the celebration, take it outdoors and plant it in the yard. But if you do that, you need to 
hydrate it sporadically twice a month through winter. Deep soak it because it's more dependent on you. You're going to plant it in a dry hole. I would say when you dig your hole, fill it halfway up with water just so you can hydrate the surrounding soil around that root and then backfill and then water it in really good. Otherwise, what will happen is you'll backfill, you'll water in that that backfilled, mulch-rich uh, uh, root soil that you pack around the roots, you'll water that in, but if the surrounding soil is dry, it will actually wick the water away from the roots, leaving your plant dry. So I recommend, especially in the winter, to fill that hole up, that planting hole, halfway. So we're not watering the tree with that. We're watering the soil around the tree just so it doesn't sponge away. The water, as you hydrate, when you get it all finely planted, yeah, it doesn't doesn't harm your plant. Those are some of the tips I had in this week's garden column. If that's of interest, go to my website, watersgardencenter.com, and halfway down the page, you'll see an easy gardener one, two, three, with a subscription. Join the club email. It's all by all digital. It comes right from my desktop to yours. It's there to make gardening easier any time of the year. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Goshiki Holly. Goshiki translates from Japanese as holly with five colors. Its new leaves emerge red, then turn green. The entire top of this holly is draped in colors of cream, white, gray, yellow, and green. This evergreen makes the perfect accent, hedge, or evergreen container for its all-round good looks. A really nice plant that shines through winter is just $39. Waters Garden Center, where people who love Japanese gardens, they love to shop. Okay, maybe after the same white elephant exchange, it's time to start a new holiday tradition. A living Christmas tree from Waters Garden Center can be decorated and enjoyed for a lifetime, not just a season. When the holiday festivities end, gather family and friends and plant your tree together for years of enjoyment. Or Waters will plant it for you, guaranteed. As your family tree grows, have a tree grow with your family from Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. All right, so Ken and Lisa Waters Lane, back in the studio, she comes each week and just shares her garden opinions, which I can never get enough of. <laughs> garden opinions. <laughs> We've been married for 34 years, and actually, I still like your opinions. So, like you? your thoughts. I do. Most yeah. of them are tolerable. Same. Some same are actually you. enjoyable. Mm. And some are going, what is she? What? 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 What's going on? What? And if you listen to yourself, in your opinion. <laughs> you know, I choose not to, but I have nightmares at night. <laughs> so anyway, we're here. We're talking garden information. Garden. This is the Mountain Gardener Show. Yes. And so Lisa comes in just to basically not. So it's not just one, an old guy getting here going, oh, here's what you should do with gardening, which is most garden shows. Now it's actually a banter mm-hmm. back and forth. Some who was uh, the old guy? Oh, God, Jerry Baker. Jerry Baker. He's on for decades. Yeah. Yeah. You Crazy. should take wine, mix up garden <laughs> turds, and 
add some fairy dust and go sprinkle it in the yard and it actually worked because he just basically got you out in the yard right. which right. is that's that's most of gardening is just get outside and go look at the plants mm -hmm. if you can't talk to them if you're really a gardener you'll touch them and so and that that just makes plants they just start Happy. growing with that and then you're just there in tune with it so right. the extra stuff you know yeah it's an aphid you should kill it it's it's uh scale right now of, of all kinds of stuff is starting to show up. Right. I notice our Indian hawthorn out front. It's starting to bloom. Oh, it's on gosh. the south side <laughs> against the garage. It yeah. shouldn't bloom until March. It's decided now I'm going to do it mm -hmm. because it's been too warm. Right. So it's getting tricked into thinking, well, it, it, well the winter must be gone. It, it must be time. I'm going to do it. So yeah. we need some cold weather. We need we some snow. Do. We need some snow. Christmas yeah. is coming. We need some snow. I'm ready. Are you? Yeah, no, I never like cold. <laughs> but if you can't have a beach, I guess be inside sipping hot toddies and eating your cookies, which are fabulous. No, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, what'd you bring with us this week? What's what's what are you going to share with the audience that just kind of goes? They would never change a channel because it is so enthralling. Just just <laughs> so interesting. Just can't look away. It's like an accident. <laughs> <laughs> or flames of a fire oh, okay. or moths at the bug zapper. Okay. <laughs> well, of course, we're in the season of Christmas yep. and Christmas trees. And we have not been Christmas tree hunting yet for a live tree or a fake tree. Because like I said a couple weeks ago, I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll bring a small Alberta spruce home just for a couple days we and will. take it back home. So, yeah. So uh, we want to do a little living Christmas tree this year. And yeah. actually... People are out looking for living trees. Yeah. And I think that I think that is just so fun. You know, people are yeah. looking for what they can plant in their yard when they're done. And that's a good way to use a living tree. Why spend a hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars for cut tree? We can spend that kind of money on a living tree and then go plant it and then watch it grow for decades to come. Right. I mean, spruce, you can plant, you can use that indoors, and you can plant it probably five, six, seven years before it's too big to decorate at that point, unless you need a ladder or, a, or some Scaffolding. special tool. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise you'd start a new one. Just get right. another one and start it over again. So eventually you're going to get, you know, 20, 30, 50 feet tall. And they're mm -hmm. too big to decorate, but that's why you need a, another one. Unless you go with that Alberta spruce. Well, okay. There you go. Just keep it dwarfed. <laughs> yeah. So dwarf Alberta spruce, uh, great for a container growing. They're just, they're, they're that traditional, very, conical Christmas tree and they're not going to outgrow their pot or their space anytime soon because they are slow growing and they only get max eight feet. If, that. Oh, if it's rare, you see one yeah. head high yeah. and that's for either you or I. So just like figure five, six feet. That's pretty common. Yeah. After that, you've moved out of that house because it's been decades and it's been there just to, to right. the next owner's level. So easy to grow, easy to maneuver around, easy to put into containers. So yeah. that's a good one to think about. We also have the baby blue spruce. I like that one. It is. This yeah. is a really pity, pretty spruce. Like pretty, 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 spruce, pretty, 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 pretty. I have not been drinking, I swear. <laughs> Really pretty spruce. Okay. It is. So really nice blue color to it. Um, and they're stay smaller for quite a long time. Then all of a sudden, once they get some real maturity to them, they decide, oh, I want to be a real spruce tree now. And then they get bigger. <laughs> I want to grow up and put my big boy, <laughs> big spruce panties on. <laughs> so 
but it takes them a while to get there. So nice tree for the yard once again. Nice tree to be, be able to bring inside because it's not going to dwarf your yeah. house. You're not going to have a Clark Griswold moment in your house. What is that? For the younger audience that didn't <laughs> Do we watch have a younger oh, National Lampoons. <laughs> <laughs> you're dating yourself for sure well it's a classic honey. you gotta love the 80s it's i love the classic. 80s everything about the 80s that one. i agree it's not christmas without national lampoon's christmas vacation and, so. and maybe you know i don't know there's a lot of other better ones but that's a good comedy <laughs> okay well we'll go back to is die hard a christmas movie <laughs> die hard is not a christmas music unless you're bored <laughs> i agree anyways Fat Albert spruce, so another variety of spruce, very blue in color. Uh, it's one that tends to get a little, a little wider, hence the name Fat Albert. But just a real pretty tree, easy to put out into the landscape and does nicely here. Oh, yeah. And that's when I think our neighbors have one. They put lights on it every year. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's, you know, they get out the scaffolding and they, do. Uh, and they decorate. It's very, very pretty. Black Hill spruce, which is not as commonly known. Uh, Black Hill Spruce is more green and it has shorter needles, just real short little needles. You know, it, it strikes me, Baby Blue Eyes and Black Hill Spruce, basically they're the same tree, shorter needles, chubbier, fuller, hmm. but uh, one's blue, like a silver blue, one, right. one's silver and one's green, like mm -hmm. not just green, crazy dark rich, like the, the dark forest green. Um, they're the same height, size. They look good. They look good compared together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. So that kind of fills out the spruce selection. Okay. And then you have the pine selection. So probably the most common one, which does so well here, is the Austrian pine. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, fast growing, doesn't take a lot of water, doesn't have a lot of issues. Nice tree for here. And it's got a cousin. A little shorter ponderosa pine cousin. No, no the oregon green pine oh yeah sure so oregon green i i love that tree it just looks so it's a very dense tree needles are a little bit shorter and the tree itself itself i cannot talk this <laughs> itself stays a little smaller yeah a little more compact so really pretty tree. but both have a central leader mm -hmm. so like a pine tree swooping branches that come out from that central trunk mm -hmm. And this gets full and green and thick and both long needle pines. Right. So they're like a miniature Austrian pines, like a regular ponderosa pine. It's big, but it holds its foliage right to the ground. Mm -hmm. Austrian green is a little bit shorter, but it holds its foliage right to the ground. So they're both great. I think they're better landscape plants mm -hmm. than even our natives, uh, ponderosas, pinions, but they're, they're more shapely. They're better looking. <laughs> we also have, um, if you like something a little different, I do. The single needle pinion pine. Um, I think it's a really cool looking tree because it's just, you, you're not going to find 20 of them on your street. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very unique. You might not find one. Right. It's a cousin to the, to the native pinion pine right, right. here. Um, it just has a real neat texture to it. A really nice look. I think it's a pretty tree. And then, of course, you have your Arizona uh, cypress. Classic, not classic. classic Christmas tree. No, but, but you could probably do the it. most common of the landscape mm -hmm, trees. Mm -hmm. um, Atlas cedar, which there again would be um, to hang ornaments on it, would be you'd yeah. have lots of room because yes, it, it has big spaces yeah. between it. So, but it's a very pretty tree. Um, the, we have the blue Atlas cedar. Yeah, that's actually um, the statehood tree mm -hmm. on the courthouse back in 1914 when they planted. 
a tree right. to mark the courthouse and the statehood of the of the <laughs> Arizona. They planted a Atlas Cedars. If I you don't wanna... think most people even realize that's down I, there. It's huge because <laughs> it's, it's 100 years old. It's over 100. It's 110 years old almost. Right. Yeah. Don't even, they have it trimmed up pretty high so people don't unless you're looking up you don't see it so we are out of time ah. my dear i'm sorry i know you want to keep going your dog wants to get out and <laughs> run around so uh we'll uh hey callie hold on kiddo so we're uh the mountain gardeners and our dog here in the studio <laughs> at the waters garden center back after this Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. The Grinch went to Waters and couldn't believe his eyes. There were cut trees in every shape and size. He could take one home and then toss it after the season. Good! And then he saw living Christmas trees that grow and grow. So it seemed a good reason. A beautiful living tree and have waters plant it because of his bad knees. Have the merriest of Christmas from all of us here at Waters Garden Center. Hi, Lisa here with the plants of the week in our Arizona Gold Euonymus. An excellent choice for colored hedges and as tough as they come. This evergreen displays bold gold, head-high foliage that grows even thicker when sheared. A single shrub makes a bold statement for just $27, but in rows they make excellent visual and sound barriers. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love bold gold hedges, they love to shop. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. So living Christmas trees, what are they? And why are they called living Christmas trees? So as a kid, we always grew up with a cut tree. It's a dead thing. It's grown out in fields. And they're chainsawed down. They bring them out. You put them on a plant stand, on a, some sort of Christmas tree stand. You bring them in, enjoy them for three weeks. You watch all the needles drop off, and then they die. They go into the compost bin. They're, they're chewed up. They're chipped up. They're just whatever they do, the trash company does with those afterwards. That's a cut Christmas tree. A living tree has its roots. And so this is actually a living, breathing landscape plant that you can bring indoors and then use it, decorate it, and then go outside and plant it after the holidays. There are some caveats to that. So if you're going, if you're thinking of a living Christmas tree, which is, a, I encourage it. It's a great way to go. Uh, it, it actually works. We've got families that this is their tradition. Every year they go and plant a new tree, and they just remember. They watch them grow, and they remember. It's just fun to help families, couples do that. Uh, some caveats with that. A a outdoor plant it's cold right now we don't bring them indoors we don't protect them we expect our living christmas trees to be cold stay cold and then wake up when all the other spruce pine firs when, when everything else wakes up wake up then when you bring them indoors they start to think oh it's spring maybe i should grow now and so the sap starts flowing back and forth it starts to really become active and so the plant starts to wake up you want it's okay to wake up a little bit, but you want to force it to 
get used to the cold again. And so if this thing starts to wake up too soon and stays in the house too long, it can do some damage, especially when you move it back outdoors and plant it. So really we say for for bigger living trees, don't keep it in the house for more than seven days, 10 days at most. For smaller, like tabletop, like we've got cute little spruce trees, cute little pines, Alberta spruce. They're just cute. They, They want to be on the tables. They want to be at the entrance in those pots. They want to be... They want to be, they're just cute and small. Those, the smaller ones are less exposed. They have less foliage. They wake up slower. They're less damaged. And so those can stay in the house for maybe a couple weeks. No more. Or they wake up too fast. The sap starts flowing up and down the, the, the trunk of that tree. And, and when you take it back outdoors, it gets damaged. When you use them, decorate them. I tell folks, decorate them. Put them by your front door. Put them on a back deck. Keep them outdoors. Decorate them. And then bring them in. for the, When the celebrations actually begin, bring them in. Whatever you do, don't put them by the fireplace. That's not good. And so they dry out even faster. They just they have to work harder. Keep them away from heat registers and heat sources. Some of this is kind of common sense, but I got to tell you that. And we've got a handout that tells you how to do all this. But these are the highlights. Some plants people are buying right now for living Christmas trees. Number one seller are the spruce. Spruce because they look like Christmas trees. They just have they. We have Spruce Mountain right here in Prescott. Uh, spruce actually grow native on the ridge lines here. They grow. They love the mountains growing out. They just naturalize so well, and they look good. They've got this silvery blue color to them. They're just so easy to decorate because they're they got this layering to them. The second most popular tree, it might even be the most popular. I don't know. We sell a lot of both. Are the pine trees? mainly Austrian pine. You can also find scotch pine, ponderosa pine, pinion pines. Sold a few of those. They're just big. They're so big, they're hard to get in the house. That's one. Have us plant it and deliver it for you. It's, we've got crews and equipment and stuff to make this thing weighs like 300 pounds. Have us move it inside. Have us go bring it outdoors and plant it for you. Uh, just it's hard to maneuver unless you've got some beefy boys that are still at home. Then you can have them do it. We'll tell you how to do that. We'll show you how to plant it. Uh, we've got our instructions on that. But some of them are just, they get so heavy because the roots are still on them. And so that's one thing to watch. When you're bringing them back outdoors, spruce, pine, whatever, junipers, I just sold an apple tree to someone as a living Christmas tree. They're going, we, we don't need a pine tree. We want fruit. And we want an apple tree. We're gonna do. We're gonna decorate this. This is our Christmas tree. Going, Good for you, a non-traditionalist. Right on. There you go. Uh, so they're good. That's their. That's their thing. And so you, it, there's no rules with it. It's whatever your creativity is. When you bring those plants back out from in the living room or wherever you decorate. Make sure you get get them used to that cold again. Don't take it right outside and plant it in the ground. You want there's this transition period when you allow it to get cold again. Allow that sap that started to flow to slow back down, to go back into stasis, basically. So you, we tell folks, put it in, in an unheated garage, put it under a, a deck or patio, put it on the south side of your house. Let it go where it's it's cold, but it's sort of insulated. So then then we let it stay there for I don't know, three, four, five days, whenever you're, till the next weekend when you're ready to plant, and then go put it right out in the yard. Water, deep soak it, really give it a good deep soak, and then you're going to do that again about every two weeks, 
and the plant will just activate and just come alive with new growth next, usually March or April. It just depends on when the season kind of hits. When you're planting, December planting, when you're, if you're going to plant any tree, but especially living trees in the month of December, winter, January, first of February, any of this, this season right now, make sure you're digging the hole the same depth as the root ball. Uh, don't go real deep. Dig it three times as wide. So the roots here in Arizona, there's nothing down there for them to go after. So the roots all grow sideways. You'll see this great big native and all of the roots, this thing's, you know, 30 feet tall, 40 feet tall. They, they, they fell over or something. And you look at the roots, the roots only go down maybe three feet, two, three feet. That's it. That's how your plants are going to grow as well. The nutrients in the water are just under the surface and they know this. So they're going to be running up and down the... The, just underneath all that fabric and rock and uh, looking for food and water. If you know that's how they're going to grow, dig the hole that way. So add the hole should be the same depth as the bucket, but three times as wide. and It'll be round-shaped. You're going to throw away all the gunk. There's, there's chunks of stuff, rocks, anything bigger than a golf ball, old roots, uh, boulders. Some of you will hit boulders. Get that junk out of there. And then filter it or screen it. Some of you are going to have nice, rich soil. Some of you are going to have no soil left. You have to add some more organics in there. You do need to add some organic material back into that soil. So your, your landscaper or your builder scraped off that thin layer of topsoil when they were building your house. And so literally, some of your soils are dead. There's not one living thing. You won't find a, a worm. There's nothing viable or, or good about your soil. You'll have to reintroduce the the organics back in there. That's what attracts the worms, that creates the mycorrhizal colonies. That's what encourages the roots to grow out into the surrounding soil. So usually you're going to have about 25-30% mulch to your native soil you pull out of that hole, blended together. So you can cheat it up to about 50-50 if you have a lot of rocks or you just need more soil. Once you go over 50-50 with mulch, it gets too gooey. It's too much. Then we've got topsoils. There's some other things we can add as filler to fill that void in the, in the ground more. But usually about 50-50 at most, 25 to 50%. Blended, backfilled around that root ball. So you're going to pull out of the, out of the uh, oh, here's another thing. A lot of your living Christmas trees, they're field grown. They dig them up usually with a machine, and then they wrap them in burlap. They call it a ball and burlapped tree. We put them in black buckets, that just as sleeves, just to transport them, show them off the garden center. But really, that's, you're planting that, that burlapped ball. Plant the whole thing. Don't take that off. Plant it right in the ground with the burlap and everything. Backfill, pack it in, put your stakes. You're going to put some fertilizer on it. You're going to water it in really well with root and grow, a transplant shock. It kind of stimulates more roots. Then at the very, very end, if it's a ball and burlapped tree, at the very end, simply cut that, that twine at the top around the trunk, cut that and lay that burlap back. And leave, the roots go right through the burlap like it was nothing. That's the secret to great winter planting of trees. Great time to plant trees. Large shrubs, it's cool. There's just no risk of transplant shock. As long as you're watering a couple times a, a month, there's no risk. I mean, you, you got this. It's just the plants need uh, a little bit more care with the, that water. Winter, if it gets cold, they just want to be hydrated. They 
don't want to be dry when it's cold. Kind of counterintuitive to it, but it is for you and I. The plants love that. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Hi, Lisa with the plants of the week and our Austrian pine. We have instantaneous trees just in and ready for fall planting. This pine has the same long needles as our ponderosa pine without all the problems, and these trees are really big and bold. This is the fastest growing of the pines, and lots of sizes to choose from, but the $249 model is exceptionally big. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. For people who love big, bold pines, they love to shop. The holidays are here in the Christmas City, bringing family and friends together, and those chilly winter winds. While you're decorating the outside, don't forget to brighten your inside with exotic holiday plants from Waters. Beautiful poinsettias and Christmas cactus are coming to town. Grown exclusively for waters and colors you won't find anywhere else. Unique, vibrant, and guaranteed to warm up even the dreariest of winter days. Check your list twice for all the holiday plants only found at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. Wow, we have covered a lot of gardening ground this show, but let me just finish up with a few tidbits, some things that will really help you. At least this is what this gardener is doing. My name is Ken. I'm your friend, and I really want you to do well in your gardens. And so part of this garden advice is whatever Lisa and I were doing in our gardens, that's, that's the advice that we impart. So you get the sequence, the timing right. One thing I've noticed is ice is forming around my pond. And so we've got a, not a huge pond, but, you know, enough to make a statement in the back, a little waterfall. It looks good. The birds have been really active back there. They've really appreciated the water that we're providing for them. But if you've got koi or if you've got big pumps or motors, you're running this thing, don't let your pond freeze solid. So I just put into my own pond this, this week, there's a pond heater. They make heaters that float on top of the water. And they activate it like, I don't know, 40 degrees. And they deact- deactivate. No, they activate it like, yeah, they keep it just at freezing, whatever that is. They activate it uh, like 40 and they keep it up to about 45. They just keep it in that, that little pocket around that heater, warms it up. I put it right in front of my skimmer box. So I've got a skimmer and then I've got a filter up top where the water flows around. And it's, it's professionally designed. I installed it. I don't want my pump to freeze because that pump, that pump motor is like $1,000. It's a big one. I don't want ice to get in there in that box and freeze it out. So I put the the uh, heater in front of that to keep a, a hole open and then it keeps the, the warmer water flowing and it keeps the, the pump from freezing. And if you've got koi or goldfish, they don't like the pond to freeze solid because toxins can build up underneath that ice and it can affect your, your fish. And so it's good to leave a hole open. So a pond heater is the easiest way to go. Stock tank, heater. I like the floating ones because I don't want to heat the entire pond. I just want to heat one little hole and keep it open and that's it. So I use a floating pond heater. That's it. Also watch your bird uh, baths kind of thing. If you've got concrete bird baths, this kind of weather, this freeze and thaw, it's real nice during the day, cold at night, 
you'll get some ice inside your bird baths. And as that ice freezes, it expands. It starts pushing on the on the material. And your concrete can actually flake, crack, and, and cause issues. I would suggest pulling that concrete top off and then storing it in the garage and then replacing it with a plastic top. They make plastic heated bird baths. They have heater inserts. I've got a lot of folks who come in and just buy a plastic saucer and use silicone just to kind of secure it down to their current base that they have. I've sold uh, glazed, real pretty glazed uh, saucers that go with glazed pots. They last and they're less expensive than your fancy, artsy, fartsy bird bath tops. Some of those are irreplaceable. You can't get another top. They just don't make them that fancy anymore. So you kind of want to protect those. I would say the same thing with your concrete clay, that is the terracotta clay, that red traditional uh, uh, English clay. You don't want those to go through this kind of weather. Usually we'll dump those out, uh, empty the soil out of them, store them dry inside your inside a shed or garage or someplace. Otherwise, you can have cracking and, and things can happen. So just a couple things to watch, to adjust, kind of to move around with. If you've got questions with that, or if we kind of have a couple of pond experts here on, on staff, we can help you with that. Um, anyway, that's your birds, I notice, really appreciate the water. They have been flocking to the, to the pond, basically, in the waterfall. So they really appreciate that. If you are heating your bird bath, uh, you'll find that the water that you put in there evaporates faster. So kind of watch that. That's just school of hard knocks. I don't have any science on it. I just noticed, wow, I heat the water starts to evaporate off and uh, disappears faster. So keep up with it. Kenelisa Lane, we're here at Waters Garden Center throughout the week. We are here to help, and we do camp out quite often. Come visit, say hi. And if you got garden questions, especially like fungus gnats, gophers, whatever, we're here for you. Look, if your wife, mom, or dad wants a sweater for Christmas, get them a sweater, not some piece of plastic. But if someone you truly care about loves their garden, a gift card to Waters makes perfect sense. Next spring, she could pick out exactly what they were hoping for. We all know it's not the same thing as a huge hanging basket or a fragrant rose, but hey, it's winter. Gardeners understand. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott and watersgardencenter.com. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.